I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Replay, powered by digital media. Now here's an interview from the stage of Code Media. Great. Um, just uh, before we begin, uh, Spike is being really lovely. He's quite, uh, he's got a flu a little bit, right? Yep. And, but he's got his orange juice and we've got tissues for him and we're forcing him onto stage. Anyway. I'm a germaphobe. Are you? What's, oh. in, what's in your yeah. glass, Shane? Things that kill germs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so we're going to get to porn later. I know yeah. it's a favorite topic of uh, yours. Um, I heard but, Joanna killed it already. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of exhausted that topic. Exhausted. But let's talk about what you're doing. Now, I've read there's been like 90 articles about your efforts. Mostly we're going to fuck shit up. We're going to fuck the shit out of things. Fucking shit, shit, fuck, stuff like that. So what are you doing? Fucking shit up. <laughs> okay. All right. Why are you making a cable channel now? What is the concept? You keep saying you're not really doing that, but it seems like that's what you're really doing. Yes. Okay. Like, so, John Skipper here came out and talked to me for quite a while about the fact that the cable business is shrinking. Yeah. Um, so, we, there's no debate about that. The guy who has a big cable business says cable yeah. business is shrinking. On top of that, by all accounts, the people that you guys have found out how to reach, the youngins, the millennials, mm. they don't watch pay TV. You're making a pay TV channel. That's what we're trying to figure out here. We're dumb. <laughs> Next question. No. Spike, you want to <laughs> Don't people still watch the shows on some way, some form or another, though? Some of them do, right? Them, yeah. But a lot of, a lot, a lot, I think a lot of what's happened is a lot of the stuff that, that was on cable TV that didn't have a point of, there was no point to it, it was just on, that's going away. And then, well, you tell but, me. Look, but, I mean, what you're talking about, and you were a very nice interviewer to Mr. Skipper. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it the most profitable network in the history of television? Yes. Okay. So let's start there. <clears throat> For us to go to network is a very logical decision, which comes from whenever you say I'm going to be something like platform agnostic, okay? So we're going to say we're going to be online, mobile, TV, holograms, if it's holograms, whatever the fuck it is, I don't care, but I'm going to be on all of them. Everyone nods, mm-hmm, yes, sagely, yes, we're platform agnostic. But we were talking earlier, no one's platform agnostic. If you're TV, you're TV. If you're online, you're online. And no one likes you to move. Why? I don't fucking know. But we're going to be platform agnostic. If we want to be on TV, we're going to be on TV. If we want to be on mobile, we're going to be on mobile. If you want us online, online. Now, it's also the best time in history to be a content creator. Why? Because it's a market. So I can go to television, there's now there's Netflix, there's Yahoo, there's Amazon, there's Apple, there's, I mean, it's, there's Verizon, there's Vodafone. So I can go country by country and say, who's going to give me the most money, the most support, the most eyeballs? Is it going to be mobile? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be TV? I can do all three. I can do three simultaneously, like I'm doing in Canada, if we have a hegemonic power like we do in communist Canada. So, thank you. So, or we can sell to the highest bidder, right? Now, the other thing that we realized, everyone always asks, what is vice? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. I'm gonna, Thomas Jefferson, you are, for you, eight mile them. Okay. And then I'm gonna answer their <laughs> right. arguments before you do it. I see, all right, okay. <laughs> so, what we realized, everyone's like, why, we're gonna, is, vice, we're gonna fuck why is vice worth so much fucking money? 
Yes. Four billion dollars. Four billion. I got a word in there. More go. than four billion. Okay. Please. Everyone Disney always says four billion. Do they say four in their, billion? In yes. their 10 Q, we just really? looked at it. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, okay. Okay, more than, well, how much more? more than four billion. Okay, 4.4 billion. There you go. All right, okay. So that's 400 million dollars. Okay. I'm not good at math. So you, just, you just rounded it down. Yes, we rounded it. Why? Down. Because you guys are mean. No that's care. why. Okay. If you were nice, you'd say five. <clears throat> okay. You'd round it up. Ten. Anyway. Ten. 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 Yeah. That's what I would say. Yes. Because I'm Shane. <laughs> okay. So the whole thing is, is we sit there and we said, okay, we looked at why we're valuable. And we're valuable because we make content that we can license. Why is that important? Because like I just said, it's the best time to be a content creator and licensing is generally 100% margin. So you look at that and you say, okay, this is just a fantastic business. And we went to MIP and it was like cornering the frozen orange juice seen in the, at the end mm -hmm. of uh, trading places. Yeah, yeah. And we're just selling, 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 selling TV. And we said, well, if we actually owned these pipes, we'd make a lot more money. And so we looked at it and said, okay, if we had a content creation engine that spent $250 million a year on creating the content, we'd get $750 million out of that because you could go to all these countries, sell that content at a, at a huge margin. So as this a is, business- This is the change for you, right? Because up until now, your business has been Intel where someone says, make us some content, find us some eyeballs, and part you make of our business, content. But a part of our business that people don't know about is that we were going to MIP for the longest time, repackaging those shows. For example, Intel, like you were talking about, that became a TV show in China with 200 million eyeballs a week watching it. And so we said, okay, well, we can be the first internet company to repackage internet stuff, put it on TV, and that's already, that already has a margin, so we can actually put that on TV, give it a wider audience, and make more money. So why wouldn't we do that? So this is what's funny is, this is like, it's bringing us more advertising, it's bringing us more money, more licensing, more deals with, with, with uh, uh, platform companies as well as mobile companies, and everybody just reduct you ad absurdum to, Shane wants a TV channel. Okay. But you do, but you got yourself a TV channel. Yeah. Spike, when you worked with <laughs> Shane for a long time when he said, let's make a TV channel, what was your reaction? Um, I actually, it was a few years ago, we, we started talking about it probably like three years ago, Seriously, because we talked about it before, but like in terms of actually being able to get one, it's about three years ago. And I liked the idea because I liked making sure our company was um, a, could be a content, a, you know, create a creation company, be about, be about creating and not about having to sell ideas one off at a time. And the idea, so like of, an Amazon or a Netflix, to, to different, yeah, whoever. to different people, to advertisers, right? yeah. or to advertisers. The advertisers or to you know to you know channels or whoever. And I think the idea of uh, making sure our company, like our company, is about storytelling and about, um, and it's a really creative environment. And the idea of having this production budget, basically, just to... To make original shows. To make, to make things... That you put on your channel. That we put on our channel, and then as Shane you know, was talking about... And then he regurgitates it into China, correct? Yeah, he Go gets ahead. it to China. Right, okay. Um, I, I got your plan. I but I think, that, yeah, I think that, that to me is why I was excited about it, is to, that, 
you know, we could focus on making things as opposed to selling things. So how is that going to be different than what's on TV? TV has been doing very interesting stuff lately. There's a lot of great yeah. shows on it. A lot of people feel it's super creative now. One of the things you're talking about is doing something di- differently. Are you really doing something differently or just creating what you feel like creating? Like one of your shows is, uh, we're going to show a video of it, right? Yeah, you're leading right up to it. Yeah. But, but, but let them answer it first. Yeah. What, what are you going to do differently? Um, I, th- I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to do anything radically differently. I think we're, we, you know, in terms of how, uh, like, I don't, I don't know how we're doing anything differently if you want to compare us to somebody else. I just know what we're doing in the office every day and what we're trying to make. And what we're trying to do is make things that we are interested in or that people that we are inspired by or interested in uh, are making are, are, we can support them to make things they are interested in. Is and there a model you got like oh I really like what they did on that network or online over here? No, I mean right now it's mostly unscripted, so that that's that's the one limitation that is you know. But we do have a few scripted. We have a, a, a scripted comedy show by these filmmakers in Canada. That's I just saw the first the, the first cut and it's amazing. And I, these guys are you know I would give them the whole channel if I could. These guys are just like anarchist filmmakers and our second channel or second one second <laughs> channel mm-hmm. valuation goes up we've, so we've got a clip here from a show with ellen page you guys want to set it up yes uh this so the, yeah this show is called vacation and this is a show ellen is, is making with her friend um ian daniels and they travel around the world and explore lgdb culture Did they bring it to you you bring it to them how, how do you get her um, i asked ellen if she had anything she wanted to do and that was and, uh, and she said gaycation. And she said gaycation. And in answer to your question, <clears throat> you know, we live in our bubble in Williamsburg and we make stuff. So, no, we're not trying to say, oh, let's do the voice. But <clears throat> what we're doing on TV, I believe, programmatically has never been done before. And this is a perfect example because when you say gaycation, it's like, okay, is it a travel show? Is it a news show? Is it an LGBT show? What is it? And nobody could come up with a definition because there's never been a show like it. Well, actually, there was a gay vacation show. Which is what? Oh, it was on a gay channel many years ago. Can you remember the name? Uh, big gay people go places. I don't know. Well, watch this. It's right, different okay. than that. Right, that's different. Have you, seen, have you seen it? No, I haven't show? seen gaycations. Okay. Well, I, I take this. a lot of gaycations, but yeah, This is not your gaycation. <laughs> I don't think... Okay. You see the clip? We know that you were a cop, but you also did other work on the side, and we're wondering if maybe, in your own words, you could de- describe that work. Meu trabalho era trabalhar na rua, patrulhamento, sempre manter a ordem e a paz. Atualmente, eu já não não estou mais em atividade. A gente executa algumas coisas ainda, mas isso em particular. So when you say that you were keeping peace on the streets, what, what exactly did that work entail? A gente fazia o patrulhamento, a única coisa que, que eu não gostava, entendeu? É de gay. Se eu pegasse pelo caminho, eu atropelava. Eu não queria nem saber como é que era ou como eu deixava de ser. Eu não queria nem saber o que ia acontecer depois. And how did you know that those people were gay, the way they acted? Did you kill gay men and gay women as well? Geralmente o gay se destaca no meio das pessoas. Somente o modo de agir, o modo de ser, que a gente dava uma coça, fazia o que tinha que ser feito. São certas coisas que a gente não deve pronunciar, entendeu? 
certas coisas que foram feitas que não devem ser comentadas aqui. How many gay people do you think that you've killed? Não, isso não é para ser dito. Did you not at all feel like killing gay people was interfering with what your job was, what you were being paid to do to protect people? Eu acho que todo chiqueiro tem que ser limpo, entendeu? Então, aonde que eu fazia o meu trabalho? Limpar o que estava sujo. Para mim, ele é pior do que o bicho. Se, se entrar na minha frente, eu pego. Não quero nem saber o que vai acontecer, eu pego. Do you want me to say you too or no? Yeah. Okay. We're gay, and I'm wondering if you think it's better for the world for us to be dead. Oh, goodness. That was not a good gay cafation. <laughs> I was thinking, that was not the same as your show. No, I was thinking St. Bart's or the white party, but, um, but uh, wow, that's... I really don't want to watch that. Um, but w tell me what you were thinking about with this. Serious. Um, <clears throat> this is, uh, I think we're trying to make, we're trying to create an environment that creative people can come make what they care about. And this is obviously what, what Ellen cares about. She cares about so much she's willing to you know, go, go around the world and, and uh, put herself, in, you know, put, go into a favela in Brazil and mm -hmm. confront this guy. And, um, I think that that that's you know that that represents in in a, in a really good way what the, what we're trying to do, which is can we make something that's in this sort of corporate media world that feels personal, and if we can, then that's that would mean that I would I would I would think that is being successful. So it's super dramatic. Kara's first reaction after the joke was, "I don't think I want to watch that." Um, <laughs> you, you guys, Vice generally has a reputation for having you know. Edgy is a dumb word, but that's the we'll use that word for shorthand. Uh, really edgy stuff, niche stuff. Shane, you said we're not doing The Voice. The Voice is a big popular TV show. Why wouldn't you? Isn't there pressure to create shows that lots of people want to watch? Well, Kara said edgy. she wouldn't watch that. I think she's being facetious, but who would watch that in the audience? Let's see a show of hands. Would watch it. Would watch. Who would watch that? All right, good. So half the people. I'm not sure I'm your, your target group. You're, yeah, you're not my, target My son group. is your target group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, but you wouldn't watch, why wouldn't you want to watch that? Oh, because I lived it. But that's a different, um, not that particular thing, but, you know, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I'm, well, I'm going to send you, I'll send you some, right, okay. if you don't like it. But no, there's, I will tell you. I mean, that, but that's me, definitely. But, but he was asking a question about ratings. But, like, the idea well, is, because you aren't going to do ratings for six months, is that right? Is that well, correct? Well, to answer your question, What's happening in this country politically, what's happening globally, what's, what people are finally waking up to, and it's in the news everywhere now, is that Gen Y is now number two demo, some say number one demo, as, as baby boomers who've had the stranglehold on the cohort for the last, well, since the 60s, on media, on politics, on everything, consumerism. All of a sudden, Gen Y has gone from niche to mainstream media. Right, And so we went from being niche to mainstream media. And we're growing as Gen Y grows. And so when we program things, 
we say, okay, we're going to program things that they're interested in. For example, you know, how this started, I was telling you, we do a lot of research. And the number one cohort that goes out and spends money on food, not moms who spend money at Whole Foods, but going out to spend money, is Gen Y. Name one Gen Y specific food show. Facebook fuck, video. Fuck, that's delicious. Fuck, that's delicious. Well, that's ours. Yeah. So for us, we said, okay, let's make Gen Y food and fuck, uh, fuck that's delicious with Action Bronson, et cetera, et cetera. So we're making programming, and again, with the LGBT, like gaycation or environmental programming that's interesting, et cetera, et cetera. So we believe that there's no one doing that. that this you believe is that Gen story. Y millennial audiences are fundamentally different in what they want to watch, yes. the kind of taste they have. Yes, and I'll tell you why. When we first said we were going to do news, and this is my whole thing with you know, doing press or talking to people about this, is everyone loves disruption, 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 until you actually disrupt anything, and then everyone says you're an idiot. Because it's the status quo, they don't want it to be disrupted. When we went and we looked at news, and again, we do a lot of research, the number two passion point for young people is news. The number one dissatisfaction, mainstream media news. The number two after music, it was music is the number one globally. And when we started news, everyone said, young people don't care about news. And they especially don't care about international news. So that's a huge white space. And we said, well, we don't see that. And our, our research says the exact opposite. So we started a news channel, Vice, started a news channel. And it rebranded our whole company overnight. It brought us a whole new audience overnight. It brought us whole new relationships with HBO, whole new revenue packages, news around the world in all of our different countries. It completely changed the company. So, although I, I understand what you're saying, but one of the things that you do get criticism for is that you're sort of jumping from lily pad to lily pad. Like, sort of, we did Vice. It was somewhat big, but you needed to grow beyond it, clearly. And then you moved, said mobile, or I'm going to slice and dice my stuff, and now television. Where is the end, what is the end point for you? I mean, because sometimes for some in the media who criticize you, it is the jumping from one thing to the next or growing. But we're not leaving those behind. Yeah. There's still means of, you know, like Vice News is still a potent part of the company. And there, there's multi, other means of distribution, other means of creation. So why hasn't, why haven't, what I'm more thinking about is why well, haven't I can, these, I can answer that question. <laughs> You're exactly right, Spike, in that. We build things, and then we build more things. Our O&O didn't go anywhere. Our mobile didn't go anywhere. It's growing exponentially. We're just doing more. So we're not going from lily pad to lily pad. We're building. The reason why they will say that is because the overall business strategy is not radical. It's, okay, how do we become, you know this, media, both new and mainstream, is consolidating. Okay, so any time that you have a destratification of a power structure, that's a beautiful time to get in there and take, you know, what's weak. So for us, we say, okay, how do we become number four? Well, you don't become number four without having TV. Hell, we should have radio. We should have everything. Why? Because we have better, faster, meaner content than those guys. We can monetize better. We can move faster. We have a younger demographic and a younger workforce. 
So I'll put myself up against them any day of the week. Except they're your investors, all of them, correct? These people that were your, like sure. News Corp would have why? been a competitor. But why? I want to know, why do you think? Why? I, because if it works, if the equation works, if we program three screens, one screen OTT, if we bring native advertising to TV, we won. And so they want to have their feet in the pool because it's, it's, it's Disney, it was Time Warner, it was uh, 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 Fox, it's all of them because if we succeed even a little bit, you can take those learnings and that's going to be the future of media because we're out there experimenting with all this stuff. So you're telling so, Disney so you're going to invest pad, 400 million so, bucks but, in your So the lily pad to lily pad to lily pad is actually up, uh, us out there saying we're a laboratory. We're experimenting. We're not afraid. We're going to try everything there is to try, figure out what that mix is. Those learnings are invaluable to everybody else because they don't have to make those mistakes with a lot more zeros attached. Sorry. Watch, you say, watch us screw up or figure it out and, and invest at the same time. You, you, you win both ways. Correct. Um, you mentioned uh, HBO. You're on the HBO show. You're, you're not going to be in any of these Viceland shows, right? So my passion is news. News is an interesting thing because what we learned was it's very difficult to monetize news because Crest doesn't want to be next to severed heads. HBO offers us a unique opportunity to fund a multi-year daily, weekly, and feature film series, almost unlimited, at the highest standard of, of funding, so we don't have to actually sell advertising against it. We're completely free to go do whatever story against whatever company we want to, and or any politician, and we can then take that and put that into our various news shows around the world, unbeholden to any advertising. But they funded your, your show. Now you want to have a rival network. So is, is you not going on the Viceland stuff a, a, a deal? Is that, is that a negotiation point? No. No. I'm an old man, rotund, verbose. Uh, I'm good at very few things. And I don't want to be the face of our network. Our network, what we're famous for is giving over, Dylan going electric, giving over the, the company to uh, people, like for example, a lot of people who are doing TV, all the people who are doing our monetization have never done anything in TV and or TV monetization before, and that's our strength. And but you so, don't know anything. Exactly. Okay. Ignorance is Now, you strength. do have some executives they brought in that do Yeah, on the business you. side, for sure, because as we grow, we're doing a lot of international TV deals, a lot of mobile deals. We don't want to get hoodwinked, so we have people coming over from Discovery and other companies. But I'm talking about on the creation side. So you have people that don't know anything about Correct. TV. And the point being, we're so stupid, we can't fuck up. Correct. Okay. Right. So, I don't know what that means, but yeah. I'm just... I, I, nod, I nod, too. Um, you said media is consolidating. You guys are worth $4.4 billion. I want to get the number right. Um, seems like you should be out there buying. Are, are there brands? Are there assets you want to pick up? That's a great question. Um, yes, but not at 4.4. Yeah. So, probably at 10. So, I so think, what's out there? Well, I think that, again, you're going to see... I think the smart companies, Vox being one of them, uh, BuzzFeed being another, uh, us. I think we saw what was coming this year um, in new media. Whoever is funded and growing and has a narrative is going to be picking up the smaller guys because what it's all about really is monetization. If you can monetize, because what you're seeing now is they're figuring out that Twitter just 
It's a great fucking platform. It's amazing. It's huge. It, it's never going to make money. It just like they can't figure out how to make money, and we're realizing that. So somebody, Apple, someone's going to have to buy them, and then maybe Instagram, like Instagram for Facebook. Was I'm sure the there's somebody from Twitter here who wants to say we made $2 billion last year, but you mean long term, it's not going to work. Yeah, right. and by the way, we're talking profits. So when I talk about monetization, he who monetizes best wins. He or she who monetizes best wins. And so <clears throat> right now what we're looking at is, okay, the scale game has ceased to be the prize. It's now how much revenue can you bring in per... And for us, that's important because, as Netflix proved, if you spend, you can have content drive your enterprise value that Time Warner, Fox, you know, don't really have, that if they have a hit, it drives their share price up. Whereas if Netflix has a hit, it drives the share price up. And then they can leverage that to buy more content, et cetera, et cetera. And so we looked at that and said, well, we would like to own the pipe so that if we have hits, which we believe we're going to drive, then we raise our enterprise value. Can I say a separate question, Spike? When you're thinking about how this is changing, the media landscape is changing, you famous for movies, director, very traditional, a traditional Hollywood TV. career. Not you. Him. But, he, but TV too. TV too. How do you look at Hollywood now? You've been working, how long have you been working with Vice? And that you're the creative director of Viceland, is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm the, the, the president of Viceland, the co-president of Viceland with Eddie Moretti, wherever he is. I think he, there's Eddie. But how do you um, look at Hollywood now as having been in that world, making movies? The last movie you made was, what was the last one? Her. Her, yeah. It was the last movie. Um, I've been with the company now for like 10 hey, years. I've been with, yeah, with the company for like 10 years. I, I don't, how do I look at Hollywood? I, I, I guess I didn't really come from Hollywood to begin with, so I just, I've made, I get to make movies there when I have an idea for a movie. Uh, but I make things. Well, how do you look at the landscape there now when you're dealing with, is it very different or do you feel that this is how it's going to be, companies like this and others? Uh, I don't think I look at the landscape. I have an idea of something I believe in and then, you know, with my, my partners, I figure out how to get it funded. And Shane says, well, the millennials and Gen Y, they, they, they consume things differently. They have different tastes. They react differently. Do you think, all right, well, I should make a movie differently. I should make a different kind of theme, or maybe I shouldn't make movies at all because they're never going to sit and watch a 90-minute film. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, you know, for better or worse, I, I, don't, I, I guess I don't think that way. I think about what it is that's inside of my head or inside my imagination or inside quite, you know, things I'm, I'm thinking about, and that's what, you know, that's what I make. You're platform agnostic. The reason why this works is that Spike is a lightning rod for talent that we can put into a bubble and say, don't worry about money, don't worry about this, just make great stuff. And if you make great stuff, we're going to then, on my end, put it into as many platforms, as many eyeballs, and make as much money as we can so that we can keep paying you to keep making your stuff. So do you, um, is there any part of this group that you think is more important, your online or your mobile that you're, that you're moving away no. from? A lot, of a lot of people feel like you're, 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 again, what I'm not talking about, this idea of getting from online to where you are now. Do you consider any part of it sort of that you're Scale leaving? is going to come from mobile. Everybody knows that. We know that. We're not stupid. Mobile is a big thing. We're making a lot of mobile deals. Um, money will come from 
TV because, again, it's not a secret that mobile, much like online was back in the day, a lot of scale, not a lot of cash. 75% of the world's advertising budget is still in TV, especially when you look at it globally. So we're kind of in this, the reason why we're platform agnostic, if, if you can rob from Peter to pay Paul, do television that works, have some hits, and everybody goes, that's great. You can take those stars, take that programming, take whatever, and put that into mobile. You've won both the monetization game and the scale game. So that's why we're platform agnostic, is because you can get the scale and the money at the same time. You want to get bigger, you say at some point, if you keep growing, the size you're growing, the traditional media companies can't buy, you have to go public. You said that's interesting to you. I have a hard time imagining you as CEO of a public company. You just came back from Iran. How's how's that going to work? You don't have to be CEO. Um, I'm the largest shareholder. I I, I do what's right for the company. Um, I don't have to be CEO. I could be executive chairman. I could be a Bill Gates head of content. I could be Amadeus Mozart with my white wig and my butt plug. I don't care. Um, (laughs) I just want to do what's right for the company. And as the company evolves... My role evolves. I went from a day-to-day guy to a brand artist guy. And Wait, did you say brand artist? Correct. Okay. I'm, I'm secret. Ask the follow-up. What the <clears throat> fuck is that? <laughs> so if you look at, look at if, if I'm a CEO and I'm worried about HR problems, or so I used to be the style and advice where everything laddered up to me and I enjoyed that. I don't know why. And But if you're looking at HR issues or infrastructure issues. We're growing very rapidly, so we already have to look at our new campus, even though our old campus was just finished, and all this stuff that you used to get involved in, that's stupid. What should I be doing? I should be figuring out where the brand is going, why we're doing TV, what countries we're going into, how the content is made, quality control on that content, partnerships with people like Spike, how to make those partnerships actually work so he gets protected, and the narrative, because no matter what's true, people like you and people out there will write a narrative about it. So all your lily pad things and Shane wants TV oh. and yeah. I've hoodwinked everybody in the media business. Yeah, I didn't say you hoodwinked them. That other people have. All right. I could if you'd like. <laughs> it's, all, it's all a narrative. It's all a construct. And so for me, what I have to do and also internally is, you know, I was talking to the Unilever people, and like, how do you run a country and how do you run a company in 200 countries with 300,000 employees? And there's only one way, and that's through mission. So they said, okay, we're going to go to 100% sustainable food, which is for them is difficult, and that's a lot of money and a lot of work. But otherwise, you're not going to have people wanting to work for you and be there at midnight on a Sunday. And so I realized that Vice, unless it keeps on reinventing itself and has a mission that we're going to just get big, 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 and then we'll just be like everybody else. What's, what's the mission? So that's a brand artist versus a guy who sits there and said, well, how much did we spend on that Coca-Cola bottle? Mm-hmm. And I'm actually not good at that stuff anyways. What's the mission? Well, QI roll here. The mission is to become the largest media company in the world and to not suck, to actually have programming that reflects the world we live in today. One of the... Um, Stories I'm working on right now is that uh, the Attorney General of New York just brought suit against um, ExxonMobil because they knew all the science on global warming, yet spent hundreds of billions of dollars to uh, promote climate change denial. Um, so if smoking knew that smoking killed you but lied about it and had $200 billion settlement, that's for smokers. 
how big is the oil settlement going to be? This is uh, just an example of programming that millennials are outraged because this is on now their problem. All these baby boomers are going to die off. Millennials are sitting there saying, not only did you fucking know, you didn't do nothing. You lied to us to go the other way. There should be rage. There should be, and, 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 and what we just showed you, there should be responsibility in programming. It shouldn't just be all about the voice. It shouldn't just be all about this vapid, vacuous crap that they put on. And so, look, you don't think that people are going to watch that. I predict, in fact, I'll guarantee it, much like Joe Namath and if I, I lose and whatever. I didn't say people I are going to watch it. People are going to watch it in droves. All right. And I don't know where they're going to watch it, but they will watch it, and brands will want to be beside it. Kara, I know win. Kara wants to be a brand artist now. <laughs> I do, I do. You should. You are a brand artist. I you know you're a brand no, artist. I'm not. I'm a brand fashionist. You just go out and... Um, I prefer... I'm a like the audience yes, well, I'm, I'm One more question for you. What is... Since, you know, you do talk about people saying you hoodwink this. What's the thing that people say about you that is absolutely true? The criticism? <laughs> you do hoodwink people, then. No. Okay. And then what's the thing they say about you that isn't? And then we'll get to questions. The thing they say about me that's true... That I'm fat, maybe? That's true. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do they say to me is, is true? Mm -hmm. What's the gossip, Spike? Uh, Shane leaves and goes to Iran. What do they say about him? He takes a lot of baths. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. I've never heard anyone say that about you. I take you. a lot of baths. I'm addicted to baths. All right. That's <laughs> I'm true. I'm talking about this. I think what's not true, look, what's funny about this hoodwink thing, the only reason why is... This is you hoodwinking Iger and Rupert and the Everybody. Others. But it's not Bob Iger and, and, and Rupert and, and Bucus and everybody. You have to understand, when we were doing our Time Warner deal, they put 350 different executives through Vice. If you're hoodwinking 350 executives, lawyers, accountants, due diligence people, Ernst & Young, like every single fucking thing you've ever done in your life is looked at by you know, hundreds of people. I'm not that good. <laughs> you know, mm, I don't like, know. <laughs> I don't know. Have you been to the company? I, I have walked by it. Oh, yeah. You should come because I think if you walk in the building and feel yeah. the energy, there's, you, walk, you walk down the halls and there's just so many young, creative, brilliant minds there. And, uh, and most, I don't know what the statistic is, but most of the employees are under 30. Yeah. I'm, we are by far the old people there. You don't strike me as millennials or Gen Ys. Definitely or Gen not. X. Next, yeah. And uh, but I mean, if you walk in the in that office or any of the offices, in, you know, in LA or in, in in London, it's impressive, and that's I'm excited. That's why I'm there. I'm not. It's an exciting place to be and an interesting place to be in. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that it's it's a, it's a good story to write. But if you walk in the building and meet the meet these kids that are creating things, that uh, it's a different story. All right. Questions. This one popped up right Hi. there. Uh, I'm Jillian Sheldon with Participant Media. Um, obviously, I love that you're talking about your mission, but how is the content that you're creating really connecting to impact, particularly for millennials who are conscious consumers? They can all engage and watch this content and talk about what happened with Exxon and talk about these issues, but how are you creating that bridge between what I'm watching and what the fuck I can do about it? That's a great question. I think our old attitude used to be our job is media 
and it's to shine a light on issues. That's the first step. And then it's up to politicians and advocacy groups and voters and consumers to, to, to make that change. What we saw was exactly what you're talking about, is that there's a lot of frustration out there and a lot of, okay, you got me, what do I do next? On the positive side, when we did our Killing Cancer special, um, we were the fastest uh, ever funding campaign for the Mayo Clinic, which is pretty impressive. Um, for raising funds to, to fight cancer. And we realized the power of good content at that point. It also opened our eyes to a, a whole new realm of, of issues. Uh, Vice doing health issues was not something you would have thought of three or four years ago. On the environmental side, on the political side, um, we recently had three of our journalists kidnapped uh, in... Uh, in Turkey, and uh, so we got very uh, attuned to uh, to working with CPJ and um, how, international legal process of how to get uh, people out of jail, and that brought us a whole new human rights issues. I think the biggest thing that we did recently was we uh, went with President Obama to the um, federal uh, penitentiary in Oklahoma the first time I was sitting president. And there was uh, such a huge groundswell of support for that that actually led to two bills being put on, uh, on the Hill, uh, tremendous pressure put on uh, politicians. We worked with advocacy groups, human rights groups, uh, both domestic and international, um, which has led to a lot of different policies. It's also led to the president doing a historical commutation. So I think that we're just beginning, and as we grow, advocacy, uh, and especially consumer advocacy and working with brands such as Unilever, who have said we are going to be 100% sustainable, which is just an insane uh, mission for a brand to do. Uh, you have to look at brands like that and say, okay, well, if these guys are going to do it, then every other brand has to do that because that's the only way that we win. Jason. Hey, I'm Jason Rapp. I, I love this notion of being big but doing things that don't suck. Because one thing that sucks, at least in a, from a video perspective, is coverage of this election. <laughs> uh, you know, even Showtime's show, The Circus, is an insult to circuses. Um, mm. how, how do you guys at Vice think about how you might cover this election? Yeah. Are you covering it on the HBO show? Or? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, we have a multifaceted uh, sort of approach to it. The biggest one will be, we just actually went through this yesterday with HBO, so we're doing a daily show, uh, daily news show um, with HBO based on the success of the weekly show. And um, <clears throat> it's an interesting time <laughs> in America because this election is sort of the greatest single content windfall that you could possibly hope for because it's completely insane. The problem is that because it's absurd, it becomes the surreal life. You know, it becomes a sort of lowest common denominator reality show. 
what is happening is actually, and what happened with Obama getting elected, is that you have a Gen Y flexing its muscles that's almost being completely ignored. And you see that with, you know, feel the burn. And what I find ironic is that a black Muslim terrorist or a hardcore communist, joking, can be elected or be considered to be elected in America and nobody sits up and asks why that is. Um, and it's because that there's a whole new game in town and people are gonna have to sit up and take notice of that. So we look at how do we reflect that. Um, and, by, and by the way, the other thing that we have to do is entertainmentize the issues because at a certain point, a lot of the Beltway shows and a lot of traditional media is a bunch of old dudes talking about a lot of boring stuff. Whereas a lot of this stuff you can you can tell the story, and the story is very interesting. Did you say entertainize? Entertainmentize. Oh, okay. Okay, that's like edgemutainment. Sure. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Um, but you meaning you would make it into, that, isn't that the problem you're just talking about? That it's become, you know, there was, no. a, there was a tweet the other day that was, um, which I thought was the best tweet I've ever seen, which is after Scalia died, it said, um, it seems like America's on its last season. The writers are just going fucking batshit yeah. crazy. Like, yeah. like that's, you know, yeah. why not? Everybody dies. Yeah. Um, isn't that a problem, though? No, Aren't what you I mean is doing it in an interesting way. So, for example, I was watching this thing where we go to New Hampshire. And I can't believe nobody's done this before. Maybe they have, because every time I say it hasn't been happening, you bring up something that I'm doesn't super have a old. name. Okay. That maybe you saw once when, yeah. in the 60s. I'm going to find the game. But uh, we go to New Hampshire... And we go to this gun club, and we interview people in New Hampshire at the gun club, and it's the oldest gun club in America, and they talk about live free or die, and they talk about the founding of their state. Like, this is like serious shit for these people. And then like, you're gonna go to that liberal New York, and you're gonna, but we're gonna watch you, and if you fuck up, we're gonna vote you out in New Hampshire and all this stuff. And then they just go back to like machine guns and whatever, and when I talk about it, it's, TV or video or mobile, it's a visual medium. And we've gone to this talking heads format. For example, people here are probably bored. If I was shooting a machine gun against the Taliban right now, you'd be like, I'm going to stay and have another drink. But if we're just sort of here going. And another thing that I think about media, <clears throat> so you have to make it interesting. And I think that we've gone to this talk radio graphics package bullshit that's just boring all right let's let's get shane off stage so we can move to the machine gun phase <laughs> one, one last question here oh shit no this would be a good one uh, you, first of all just the juxtaposition <laughs> of having espn on stage asking them about getting into digital or going direct to consumer and now pushing shane on going from digital getting into tv is fascinating but w when you think about the comment john skipper made about the price value of tv being great uh, still kind of the best value. I think a lot of your core millennials, kind of the, what I think of as the vice consumer, probably doesn't agree with that. And I, I guess just, Shane, as you look at the world kind of from a high level, what would you do if you were Bob Iger or Philippe Dumas or Jeff Bucus? <laughs> like, what should these companies be doing? Because they obviously all want to put money into you as kind of their millennial checkbox right now. But what should they be doing? Well, I think that... They're not all the same company. I think what Philippe Dauman should do is run for the hills and cash your check. Um, I, think that, uh, I think that Bob Iger 
did exactly the right thing and, and, uh, and laid some bets on, on where things were going, uh, one of those bets uh, being us. But I think your question is, is a hard one to answer because <clears throat> there's going to be a consolidation in new media, there's going to be a consolidation in old media. That's happening now, it's already happening. Um, the other thing, so there's going to be fewer players, and those fewer players are going to be well-funded. Those players are then going to buy up all of the platforms so that you'll see some sort of big deal with Apple, you'll see a big deal with Amazon, with Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Like these guys are going to, everyone's going to try to get the sort of first position in the big network deals, Verizon, all the big telcos are going to, Sprint's going to get one, Verizon's going to get another, and then Vodafone's going to do a, a major deal. So there's going to be all of that stuff. But what people forget about, and I think, you know, one of the things, especially with ESPN, is, you know, HBO at 25 million or whatever can charge that premium, and we see that premium as beautiful. But you need almost full distribution to get the real advertising money. And what people are forgetting here, and especially, like, if you look at ESPN, ESPN still throws off a lot of money. I mean, that's a great business. And if, if I can be in that business, I want to be in that business. If you look at the next five years, is there going to be a complete move in platform? Yes. Uh, I'm probably one of the furthest along in that move, and I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So anybody that tells you what's going to happen, they don't know. No one can have a crystal ball and say that's what's going to happen. We think we, we're going to make some bets on, on mobile. We think the three-screen, one-screen OTT model is right, and we think that global uh, native versus 30-second spots and dots is the way to go, so we're going to we're going to put our money there. The one thing is, for those five years, you need to take that money, that advertising. Because if TV is boring, and if spots and dots don't work, but yet 75% of the world's fucking ad dollars are still there, then that's a lot of money that we can get for us to give to Spike so he can go make his content, so we can go from number four to number three to number two to number one. Shane Spike, real quick, you guys are launching this program at the end, uh, the network at the end of the month? A week. A week, week. week. Two, two weeks. weeks. No, two weeks. Two weeks. A year from now, how are you going to define success? What does a success look like to you? Um, oh, Spike was going to say something. Go, you oh, go. Well, I think I was already kind of saying it earlier, which is uh, uh, did we... Did we, did we make what was true to us? Did we make something that, would we give, give this megaphone, give this production budget, give this cable deal that he's made, made for us? Did we give it to people that we think are worthy and exciting and inspiring? And did we get their voice out there? And, uh, and I think that the, the thing, that this living, this thing that we're making is this living organism that is a, uh, that is, I think to be played with. I think like a cable channel for us working on it is this, is a thing that we can mess with. It's like not this sort of sanctisign or sarcosanct. What's the word? Sarcosanct. Sarcosanct. He's on a lot of Theraflu. I'm on a lot of Theraflu. <laughs> sarcosanct. It's not this like you know precious thing, but it's this thing. It's like it's a it's a funnel right into people's homes. Yeah, and let's let's play with it. It's a laboratory to explore and experiment and to to mess with and um, to fuck with. I agree. I agree on, with him. I, I think that we'll make mistakes, and everyone will enjoy it when we do. Mm -hmm. And you'll enjoy them enjoying it. Yeah, I enjoy life. You know that. <laughs> yes, I can tell. By the way, 
media is the best business in the fucking world to be in. So all of this, if this is the hard part, then it's better than selling shoes that pay for less. So I'll tell you what success is. You guys are asking questions. Rich is asking, everyone is asking questions, hard questions to people who have a business that's hard to run. Whoever gets first, the first mover, to whatever that is, that three screen, one screen, OTT, different programming, day and date, scale, monetized, having the brands native that can't be ad blocked, all that stuff. Get away from programmatic up to premium. Whoever wins that algorithm wins everything, wins the race. And then you can talk about IPOs or getting bought or no one can buy you at that point or doing a, something with a big boy like an Apple or a Google, whatever it is. Then you're transforming media. So whoever gets there first wins. Who's racing towards that goal? What do you think, Brent Harris? I, okay, he just there? hoodwinked me. All right, All right excellent. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Spike. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. 